Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Good? Are you awake? Yes, a few of you are. I hear some of you this morning. It'd be awesome if today during church you just could say, if you feel like you you hear something that you agree with, if you could say, that's good, try it. And if it's just amazing, you can go, wow. Wow. Thanks. If you don't like it at all, just don't say anything. Perfect. We got this. So it will make me feel so much better if you're a part of the message today because I think God has something in store for all of us. But I just got to say really quickly as we are watching that video and, and getting all the information about what's going on, the cute girl on that video, Jaslyn Denham, and her husband Garrett had a baby on Thursday. And he's adorable. So I can't wait for you as the Movement Church to meet him because he is the cutest thing. So I was just watching her talk about what we do as a church and thinking, how exciting is it that her little boy gets to be a part of that now? So she she said something in that video that I think it's important for us to pause just a moment before we jump into the message today and talk about. See, at the Movement Church, we actually really do want four things for you. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. And really, what that looks like is just taking your next step. You're going to hear us talk about that all the time. But I just really think there's some people who are here today, and your next step really is jumping on the dream team. I just wonder if maybe you've been sitting here for a little while, and being a part of what's happening, sitting and listening and enjoying. But there's something that's deep inside of you that God created for you to step into and to fulfill purpose. That's the make a difference part. And if that's you and you're here and you just, maybe you just feel this, this like little bit of a pressure in your heart. And you're like, yeah, that's, prob- that's probably me. It probably is. So I want to encourage you. It's time to jump in. Jump on the dream team. You're going to get to hang out with the most awesome people that you have ever met in your entire life and do something that you were crafted and made to do with passion and excitement. We like to be excited about what happens at church. I hope you are. So do me a favor. If that's you, text dream team to the number that's going to be on the screen behind me. Let us know because we would love to help you discover what God's purpose and his plan is exactly for you. Okay? Are you with me? Yeah? Yeah? All right. Told you I need you to talk back to me this morning. Hey, listen, we're in the middle of a series that we are loving. And if you've missed any of it, a series is kind of like a good book. And when you're reading the book, each chapter builds upon the next chapter. And if you have missed any of the messages, I'm telling you, you have got to go and listen to the podcast. Go and listen and catch up because this series is a foundational series for our faith. It's called Believing God. And it's all about the action verb of faith. Because see, faith is the way that believers jump on board with God. Faith is how we participate in the countless wonderful things that God has in mind for us to do. And here's the thing. Faith happens when believers believe. 
And I think there's so many of us where we can wrap our minds around the idea of God, of believing in God, but we don't always believe God. It's like I can get behind the idea of a bigger power. I can get behind the idea of a a man upstairs, but the notion that God wants great things for me or that he's working providentially in my life, that's another story. And as a result, I think for so many of us, faith has become a notion and not an action. You know, the scripture this entire series has been based upon is found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9. And it says this, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. See, faith is not just something you have, it's something you do. Let me say that again. Faith is not just something you have. It's something you do. So let's pray and say, God, what do you want to do to stir up my faith today? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person who is here today. God, I thank you that it's not by accident that anyone came to church this Sunday morning. God, I thank you that you have a word to speak exactly to us. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will open our hearts and our ears to hear and to receive exactly what you have for us. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, that's just a fancy word for I agree. It just means, yeah, I'm with you on that. Hey, in this series, the thing that we've been doing, and this is kind of a challenge for all the introverts in the room, is we've been asking you to participate with us, okay? So we have been learning five statements of faith, five statements that are important for you and I to exercise our faith. And so we have, we've been doing this with an action. So get ready for it. If you haven't been here, I'm going to teach you right now. We have been actually practicing taking up a shield of faith. Okay, so... You can put your arm in front of you like this right now. I'm I'm just going to ask you all to do it with me. Carrie was like, if you feel like it, do it. No, everybody put your arm up right now. Okay, we're going to pick up our shield of faith. So the five statements of faith, if you feel comfortable, and really I want you to say them with me, they're going to be on the screen, are one, God is who he says he is. Two, he can do what he says he can do. Three, I am who God says I am. Four, I can do all things through Christ. Five, his word is alive and active in me. Hey, listen, these five statements of faith shape who we are, who God's called us to be. And I'm telling you, if you can put these to practice in your life, God is who he says he is. I believe it. He can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ and his word is alive and active in me. If we can put these to practice, God can stir up a great sized faith inside of each and every one of us. So in week two, when we talked about that first statement, God is who he says he is, we talked about the fact Pastor Kerry shared that when we try to define God as anything other than how he defines himself, we actually by default minimize him. You see, he is either everything he says he is, or he's a liar. You decide. The next week, we talked about how God can do what he says he can do. And we talked about the scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and it says this, And his name shall be called Wonderful, 
Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the thing that Pastor Kerry discussed with us is that if we remove the wonders from who God is, we can no longer call him wonderful. We have to stop minimizing the miraculous things God is doing in our lives right now. We've got to stop allowing our experiences to shape our faith because God is up to something amazing right now. He is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. And last week, Pastor Kerry brought an incredible message telling us that I am who God says I am. And what does that mean? It means I'm believing that I am who God says I am. I'm choosing that over what, I'm choosing what God says over what I feel. Sometimes we don't feel that great about ourselves, do we? I loved how my husband said, I'm a high maintenance project for God because I am too. I know God is looking down going, yes, you are. But I'm so grateful that I am who God says I am and I can choose that over how I feel. Because when we allow our experiences to shape our faith in God, we don't measure up. Our past failures shape our perspective and and we view ourselves through our that, our yesterdays, the the thing that we struggled with, the mistakes that we made, the things that happened to us. But God is saying, no, I see you as this. And we talked about the fact that God sees us as blessed, chosen, adopted, favored, redeemed, forgiven. That's how God sees us. That's the this. And today I get to talk to you about statement number four. And I, I just got to tell you, I don't know what God's going to do in this service today. Because during worship, as we sang that song, How Great Is Our God, I was overcome with emotion, just remembering God really is so great. He is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. And I was just a little bit mind blown because today's message is all about I can do all things through Christ. And as we sang that song, How Great is our God. I just thought, really, we can do nothing apart from him. Everything that we do, every situation that we face, he is still great. And I was just blown away by the goodness of how great is our God. You know, the scripture verse that this statement is based upon is in Philippians 4.13. And maybe you know it. This is one that everybody likes to memorize and quote. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Maybe you've done this before. Listen, I, I grew up in the South. I actually grew up in the Bible Belt of Texas, and I went to a Christian school. So when I tell you this story, you're going to be able to understand why this happened. And I was a cheerleader, and go figure, go team. And, uh, <laughs> and our cheerleading squad had this thing that we would do before every game and before every competition. We would get together in a great big huddle, and we would put our hands in the middle, and we would go, I can do all things through Christ. Yay! (laughs) Herky! Toe touch! (laughs) I'm teasing. We would. We would cheer this cheer every single game, every single competition, hands in the middle. I can do all things through Christ. Yeah! And I was laughing when I was preparing this message because I was remembering the fact that we used to do this as cheerleaders. But I was also thinking how easy it is for that just to become a cheer that we cheer. 
a cheer that we cheer and not, and not a belief that we have. And this has got to become so much more than that for us. It's got to become this, this reality for us. This, this theology that God is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. That's got, that theology of I can do all things through Christ has got to become our reality. I can do all things. Now, I think I want to clarify, as I was pr- planning this message, I was thinking about, we get Amazon deliveries to our house all the time. Yes. All the time. And sometimes I don't know what's showing up at my house. And recently, probably a month or so ago, there was this huge package. I'm, I think it was something for the church, and it was probably like the giant truss or the screen or something just huge. And so this massive package is in front of my front door. And we're, we're coming home, and Pastor Carrie and I, uh, we, we're getting out of the car, and we come up, and we're like, whoa, big package on the front doorstep. And we, we go, and Pastor Carrie just walks right past it into the house. So as anyone would, I assumed that that meant that he was waiting for me to move the package into the house. I, my husband's a gentleman, but that's just what I thought was happening. And, and so I get behind it and I'm trying to lift it up and I'm like, this thing is going nowhere. And I'm like pushing the package and I'm trying to lift the package and Pastor Kerry comes out. He goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, you just walked right past it. We can't leave this on the front doorstep. We have to put this in the house. And he's like, why do you think that I need you to move that package? I was like, because you left it there. And so I'm trying, why do you think that I need you to move that package? I was trying to pick up something that was obviously not there for me to move, right? So I do want to reiterate to you that when the word says, I can do all things through Christ, that does not mean that I can do anything that I decide to do. There's a lot of contestants on American Idol who need to understand this. I can do all things through Christ is not like rubbing a genie in a lamp and all of a sudden I become everything I ever dreamed of. No, I can do all things that God made for me to do. I can do all things that God put in front of me for me to do. I can face all situations that God has put in front of me that anything has come up against me. I can do all things through Christ. But we would be foolish to think that we could move that giant package by ourselves because it's just an idea that we came up with. So I've just got to say before we jump into this message, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ that he has made for me to do. Listen, it cannot be about our own strength. It cannot be about our own power or determination. It has to be all about through him, through him. And I think sometimes as believers, we feel like the pressure is all on us. And then we get ourselves in situations where we don't feel like we can handle it. Or fear tries to set in. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I was remembering this movie that I grew up with called The Lion King. Have any of you seen The Lion King? Please tell me that. But there's got to be more of you in this room. How, how many of you have seen The Lion King? Okay, good. So there's a character in The Lion King, the little lion cub, Simba. 
And Simba decides one day he's going to go exploring. And so he goes exploring to where he knows he's not supposed to go, to the elephant graveyard. And he's exploring in the elephant graveyard. And all of a sudden, these hyenas show up, right? And they are surrounding him. And he is facing this scary situation. Well, here's the thing. Simba knows who he is. Simba knows that he's a lion and that these are hyenas. And he is terribly afraid, but he knows he's a lion. And he also knows that his dad is Mufasa, the king. And so Simba decides, I can face these hyenas, right? And so he's sitting there looking at those hyenas, and he lets out this little roar. And the hyenas just start laughing at him. They're falling over laughing at him. And he's thinking, wait a second, I'm a lion. They're supposed to be afraid of me. Wait a second, my dad's Mufasa. They're supposed to be afraid of me. And so he sucks in his breath again and lets out the most fierce roar he can. Roar! And all of a sudden, this giant roar erupts, but it's not from Simba. It's from his dad who showed up behind him. And as Simba looks at the image that's on the rocks, there's this giant image, the shadow of a lion. And his dad has come up behind him. And the hyenas run off because they're afraid, right? This is the picture. Sometimes we think that it's all about us. It's all about the strength that we can muster. I know who I am, who God says I am, so I must be able to make this happen. But really, we are nothing without Christ. Just like little Simba was nothing without Mufasa. And when we allow Christ to strengthen us, we become everything that he's called us to be. I want you to know that through Christ, you can unequivocally do anything that God places before you. We've been talking a lot in the the Bible about a character named Joshua. And Joshua is who God chose to take his people into the promised land. He preceded Moses, and I'm not going to go into the whole history of that, but the time has finally arrived for the Israelites to go into the promised land. And God says to Joshua, I'm going to actually skip through these verses, so I'm going to make the tech team play with me for a minute here. But this is verse 31. God says to to Joshua, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given to you. What he's saying to Joshua is, listen, I'm going to take you and the people of Israel into the promised land. I'm going to take you there. And wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given to you. He's saying, I am with you. I'm going to take you there. Every place you set your foot, I am going to give to you. This is the promise. And I think that we need to know that God has promises in store for you and for me. There's a purpose uniquely inside of each and every one of us. Many of us like to quote the scripture from Jeremiah that says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God has good plans for you. But sometimes we forget that Jesus also said, in this world, you will have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And we forget that James tells us, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. What's this saying? It's saying that God has these great big purposes for your life and for mine, but it's not just going to be handed to us on a golden platter. This is a real life we're living. There's a real battle that we're in. And hey, listen, don't think for a moment that walking out the promises of God for your life is going to be easy. It's not. The enemy does not want you to accomplish all that God has for you. In fact, John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal kill and destroy. 
to steal your purpose, to kill your dreams, to destroy your relationships, your hope, your confidence. Listen, the enemy has an arsenal of psychological weapons designed to keep your feet off your promised ground. And that's why God reminded Joshua in Joshua 1.9, here, you're going to the promised land. Every place you set your foot, I'm going to give to you. But let me tell you something. Joshua 1.9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, God reminded Joshua of this because he knew that the enemy would target Joshua with the two greatest psychological weapons, fear and discouragement. Fear and discouragement. Pastor Kerry talked last week about how God made sure that Joshua knew who he wasn't and he knew who he was. He knew that walking into that promised land wasn't going to just be handed to him. There was going to be a fight and a battle for it. But God equipped Joshua with strength for that battle. He gave him truth to stand on. Be strong and courageous. Don't fear. Don't be discouraged. See, God knew Joshua needed this to walk out the promises. And I think that God knew that you and I were going to need this as well. I think the two things that the enemy uses the most often to keep us from accomplishing our purpose is fear and discouragement. Last week, we talked a little bit about fear, really based on insecurities. When I'm trying to believe that I am who God says I am, insecurity really sets in, and insecurity can have a bigger impact on our constant defeat than anything else. But insecurity stems from fear, fear of not being accepted, fear of failure, fear of just not being enough. You see, fear will keep us from fleshing out this fourth statement of faith. I can do all things through Christ. Because frankly, we won't if we're too afraid to try. Fear can keep us from walking it out. We say, I can do all things through Christ, but we won't if we're too afraid to try it. You see, I love what Nelson Mandela said when he said, courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. See, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the triumph over it. You know, if you've been around the movement church for long enough, you've probably heard Pastor Kerry and I tell stories about our kids. And they're going to be on repeat for the rest of the kids' lives. I mean, it's just going to happen. There are stories, so I get to tell them. And when we moved to California, we got Disneyland passes. And we did this just to, you know, be excited. We're living in California now. And at that time, Brooklyn was seven and Avery was little. And uh, so we got these Disneyland passes and we, we went to Disneyland several times. And finally, after several times of being there, Brooklyn had been gazing at the California Screaming roller coaster. There was something inside of her where she wanted, she wanted to ride that thing, but she was really a little bit fearful of it. So she'd been staring at it, and so my husband, Carrie, decides that he's going to help her overcome that fear. 
So she's staring at California screaming. She knows, like, this is the next step for her. And she's looking at it, and he goes, come on, we're going to go ride it, and grabs her hand in his great big hand and starts to walk, and her feet aren't leaving the ground. And she's staring, and she is mortified, terrified of what is about to happen. And he's pulling her towards California screaming, and all of a sudden, Brooklyn starts screaming. No! I can't. I can't. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. And fear begins to overtake her little heart and mind. And I begin to realize that a scene is about to develop that I want nothing to do with. And so I take little two-year-old Avery and we head to the Mickey Mouse Ferris wheel. And from the Mickey Mouse Ferris wheel, I can hear Brooklyn screaming at the top of her lungs. And I am thinking someone's going to report us. Someone is going, my, he is dragging a seven-year-old child on California screaming, and she is screaming. And, and she was, I can't, I can't, I don't want to, I'm scared, screaming. And so he drags her onto the roller coaster, sits her down in the seat, pulls the thing on top of her. She is stuck. <laughs> Takes off up the hill. You can still hear her screaming from the, from the Ferris wheel. And they go on the ride of their life, right? And it's the California screaming roller coaster urges to a stop at the end of the ride because we all know it does that. It's like whiplash. We have to go to the doctor. And so it comes to a halt at the end of the ride. And Carrie looks at Brooklyn. She goes, let's do it again. (laughs) Fear can paralyze us. It can, can't it? But how many of you have ever accomplished something in your life that you never thought you could do? Anybody? Maybe you started a business. Maybe you competed and completed a marathon. Some of you never thought you could get married, and you did. Some of you, how many of you never thought that you could ever afford to buy a home in California? But you did it. Some of you here never thought you could lead a connect group, but you are. There's something about facing that fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the triumph over it. How many of you have ever made it through a shockingly difficult situation or a season that you just did not think you could bear? Maybe you've walked through a financial crisis. Maybe you've navigated the loss of a loved one. Maybe you've fought a life-threatening illness. Maybe you've survived a divorce. And you just never thought you could. You chose courage. You chose courage, and God's grace saw you through. You see, we insult God's plentiful grace when we say, there's no way. I can't do it. Nope, this one, this is too big now. I cannot make it through this. Why? Because where need abounds, God's grace abounds. His mercy is new every morning. He's got enough grace for every situation we face. Anything that we're up against. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the triumph over it. And if I was to ask you right now to be honest with yourself, everybody, just for yourself, not the person sitting next to you, not your spouse. If I was to ask you, how many of you have allowed fear to hold you back from taking your next step? How many of you have allowed fear to hold you back from taking your next step. Now, I'm not saying the thing that you have in your head to do, like the giant box that I thought I needed to push. I'm saying the thing that you know God 
is prompting you to do. Let's put it in relation to church. How easy is it to come through the doors of the church but never talk to anybody or get connected to anybody because the fear says, if they know me, they won't want me here. How many of us have held off getting into a connect group because we're like, I'll have to be honest and real and and they won't like me. They'll tell people all my secrets. How many of us have been held back in fear from stepping up and leading something that we're called to lead? Thinking, "I, I just don't know if I can handle it. Or the sacrifice might be too great. How many of us have held off in fear from starting that business that we know God gave us the dream for, the idea for? From jumping into the relationship that that we feel like this is something God put in front of us. How many of us have allowed fear to hold us back? You see, if you're not facing any kind of fear or any kind of resistance in your life, if everything is all good all the time, then I'm going to dare say two things. One, you might not be taking any risks, but even bigger than that, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say you might not be walking out the promise of God for your life. If there's no resistance, if you're never coming up against fear, you might not be walking out the purpose that God has for you. And I know that's a bold statement, but here's the thing. The thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has no reason to come after you if you're already off course. So if you're on course, and you're pursuing the promises of God, mark it in your calendar. Resistance is coming. You're going to have to face fear because the enemy does not want you to accomplish the things that God has for you. You're going to have to face the fears. God also told Joshua, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. See, I think the enemy wants to break us down to a place of discouragement. In Hebrew, the word in the scripture here is hathath. Hathath. And it means to break down. Listen to this. I think it's going to be on the screen maybe. To break down literally by violence or figuratively by confusion. Discouragement. To break down by violence, literally, or figuratively, by confusion and fear. To make afraid, to beat down, to discourage, to cause to dismay, to be terrified. This is what that word means. When God said, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid or discouraged, the word that was used is this word that's saying discouragement is like being broken down, being blinded by confusion and fear, feeling beat down, feeling afraid, terrified of what's to come. A synonym to discouragement is demoralization. And demoralization means to deprive a person of spirit, of courage, of discipline, to destroy the morale, to throw a person into disorder, into confusion, to bewilder. That's demoralization. And I believe the demoralization occurs when the enemy figures out who you and I fear the most that we are, and what we cannot do. And then he sets out to confirm it. I think it happens when the enemy just goes, that's who they're afraid to become. That's what they're afraid they can't do. Let me just confirm that feeling. So who are you the most afraid that you are? Who are you the most afraid that you are? What does the enemy whisper as lies in your ear? 
Do you feel like you will always be a failure? Do you feel like you'll always be the victim? Who are you most afraid that you are? What, what fear is telling you that you can't do? What is fear telling you you cannot do? What's the story you're telling yourself in your head? What's the story you're telling yourself in your head? That thing that you want to step out and try. That relationship that you want to be in or that you know you need to end. And you're just so afraid that you couldn't do it. That thing that you've set out to build that you're so afraid it's not going to happen. Listen, the enemy wants to get us to a place of discouragement, of demoralization, just feeling like I cannot do what I've been created to do. Discouragement also sets in when our experience fails to meet our expectation. When our experience fails to meet our expectation. You see, maybe you've stepped out in faith before and you've been disappointed when things didn't play out like you thought they would. And the enemy would like nothing more than to keep you in a place of discouragement so that you don't go on to experience the promise. You see, I think discouragement is one of the enemy's greatest tactics in our life because it slows us down. You know when you just feel beat down and you just kind of like, I just want to give up? It slows us down and it makes us just go off course, going in a different direction. But what did God tell Joshua immediately after he said, be strong and courageous? He gave him a reason. And listen, it had nothing to do with the absence of terrifying or discouraging circumstances. On the contrary, Joshua had never faced anything so frightful and intimidating. And I'm sure that he felt overwhelmed and underqualified. But God said, Take courage. Be strong. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because I will be with you. I will be with you. Listen, faith is never the denial of reality. It's the belief in a greater reality. Let me say that again. Faith is never the denial of reality. It's the belief in a greater reality. Listen, you might be surrounded by terrifying or discouraging circumstances, but you do not need to give in to fear or discouragement because God's with you right in the middle of it. Maybe you're facing a battle that is going to require you to fight and the giants that are ahead, they look daunting. When Joshua was taking the people of Israel into the promised land, it was daunting. It was overwhelming. But listen, You can do all things through Christ. He's with you. Maybe like Moses, as Carrie talked about last week, God is asking you to do something you feel totally incapable of. Something you feel unqualified for. Maybe there's some big promises that God wants to bring to pass in your life, but they're going to require you to push past fear, to overcome discouragement, and disappointment, and just stay the course. Because you can do all things through Christ. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Maybe you're strong, and you're determined. And maybe like me, your prior confidence was unknowingly placed in your own ability. 
your own determination to stay on track. And then, whether it's an area of sin that you've started to struggle with, or just a failure, a feeling like you haven't been able to prove effective, and you're showing up untalented too many times to try again, and you just feel like giving up or throwing in the towel. I gotta ask you, are you too scared or discouraged to try serving God again? Maybe you've tried it before. Maybe you've tried it before and you just feel too afraid to try it again. Have you allowed the enemy to steal your hope, to kill your dreams, to destroy your purpose by preying on your fear that you're nothing more than a failure? You see, Joshua 1.5, God told Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. And listen to this. I will not fail you or abandon you. And maybe you're here today and you feel like you have failed God. Maybe you're paralyzed in fear and discouragement, too afraid to do the thing that you know you need to do. Listen, God will not fail you. God will not fail you. He is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. And I can do all things through Christ. Fear discouragement, disappointment. It doesn't have a hold on me because I know that God is with me. And whatever he places in front of me to do, I can do all things through him. Not through me. Not because I'm so strong. Not because I've got all the gifts and the skills and the talents. But because God is at work inside of me. It's not my strength. It's never been about my strength. It's all about my weakness being perfected by his strength. God is with you. He will not fail you. You can do all things through Christ. All things. Can I ask you a question? How many of you in this room have struggled with and battled fear and discouragement. If I asked you to raise your hand, would you be brave enough? Uh, my hand is so high. That's why I sang that song today. How great is our God? Because Pastor Carrie and I've shared this before, there's not a moment that we don't come up on the platform to teach the word of God, that we don't go, I don't have it in me. But I'm just reminded that God's strength is perfect in my weakness. And when I set my feet to do whatever God asks me to do, then it doesn't matter how overwhelming, it doesn't matter how terrifying, it doesn't matter how much I might feel like I can't do it. I can do all things through Christ. Listen, we can't just let it be a cheer that we cheer. It has to become what we believe. And I want to pray for you. 
because I believe that God wants to just to fill you with strength today and courage today, just like he spoke to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. So would you bow your head and close your eyes? And every single one of you who raised your hand today, I'm praying for you. God, in the name of Jesus, I ask right now, God, that you would remind us who you are. God, for every person who's in this room who has just been battling fear, who's been so afraid to take the next step, whether it's the fear of sacrifice or the fear of failure, the fear of people finding out who they really are, the fear of I don't know if it will actually work out. God, I just pray right now in Jesus' name for courage, for courage to take the step, God, even in the face of fear. God, I pray that you would just fill this room, God, with an understanding that your power is made perfect in our weakness. And when we don't know how it's all going to work out, God, you do. So God, I pray that you would give strength to each and every person in this room today. God, who those who have been battling discouragement, God, for those who are in this room and their experience has not met their expectation and they feel like they've been disappointed over and over and over again. And God, you're trying to get them to believe. God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would fill their heart with faith. God, knowing that their past is not a reflection of their future, that what they've walked through before is only just the beginning of what you want to do to get them to where they're going. So God, in the name of Jesus, would you fill this place with encouragement, with strength to believe that you are who you say you are and you will do what you say you will do. That we can do all things that you set in front of us because you are with us. So God, fill this place with strength and with courage today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen. Before we leave, and I'm only going to take one more minute, but before we leave today, I can't ever leave a church service without giving you the opportunity to say yes to following Jesus. You know, that song we sang today went into, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And the thing that I'm reminded about is because of my decision to follow Jesus, no matter what I face, no matter what obstacles come in front of me, no matter what kind of fear I battle, no matter what overwhelming circumstances are there, I've decided to follow Jesus, which means he will see me through. And there's some of you in the room today that maybe have never made a personal decision to follow Jesus. And you feel this thing inside your gut where you want to trust him and you want to believe. But maybe you've battled some fear and disappointment and discouragement in the past. And I'm telling you today that if you will just give God an opportunity, he will invade your life and he will lead you in the direction that he has called you to go and help you accomplish the, the things that he has created you for. And it all starts with one decision. You don't have to get your whole life perfect. You don't have to have everything in check to follow Jesus. You just simply have to say yes. And so I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you if you're in this room and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you did a long time ago and life situations and circumstances have just gotten you off track and you know it's time to get back on course. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you to pray with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. I'm not going to have you come to the front. 
But you in your own seat, in your own heart, if that's you and you know it is, I want you to pray that prayer with me and mean it in your heart. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Say, dear Jesus, I know that you're real. I know that you gave your life on the cross as a punishment for my sin. You took the weight of it all. And God, I ask you right now to forgive me. Today in this place, I make a decision to follow you. And all around the room, if that's you and you prayed that prayer, just say these simple words, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.